I took a really helpful thing in for my own personal life, which is mm-hmm. it's okay to spend time with people who don't agree with you. Um, in fact, it's important to spend time because I feel the collective pressure from my generation and the generation below me to not do that, to fully unfriend and push away anybody who sees anything differently. Mm. Um, and so it's good to have that mentor as you say, hey, well, wait a minute. These are how we have these kind of conversations. Let's maybe not do that. Maybe that's a little bit too black and white. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone. A certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. So welcome to the table. Thank this is you. the decision table and we just have conversations on here, girl, where we just, I don't know, there's something about the fact that I got to travel the world and have mm. amazing conversations with amazing people. And I kind of felt a bit selfish about it because, you know, it was behind closed doors. People didn't get to hear the insights around yeah. it, the learnings that come from it. Like we don't have it all together and we're all on this learning journey. And I wanted to kind of share that with the world and realize that the only way I believe the world will keep changing is if we're willing to keep learning on this journey. And so that's what these conversations are about. I want to really frame it from the beginning. There is no judgment zone here. There is no right. There's no wrong. It is just truth to what you are at and where you're at. And I just, you know, the, the lens we are using here on this month, is what I call the lens of humanity as stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And just to put that in basic terms, it's really going back to this is not about gender, this is not about race, this is not about all those, those things that are bringing division right now. It's about going, what if we start seeing each other as humans first Mm. and putting the human race first? what would that change? How would that change the decisions we make at the table? What does that bring up when you hear that? Yeah, it's really, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me on here. I'm excited to be part of the conversation and uh, it's been good getting to know you over the last year and a half. So I want to say thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be sharing this. Yeah. You know, it's interesting for me, conversations like this bring up my imposter syndrome. So I just want to set the intentionality Mm. here and just bring bring that to the table is that conversations like this bring that up in me. And so I think, I think for many of us though, that gives us some, cause I don't think I'm the only one. And no so way. I think that, yeah. And I think, I think what that does is that allows us to just pause and sort of breathe through that. And I've learned to do that a lot in many areas um, where I feel woefully inadequate or woefully behind, you know, maybe conversations around how to create an inclusive community or step up as a leader of people, you know, women all over the world. These are the times where I think it goes back to what you said, where it's, it's about starting with the learning. And I find that when we learn new things, right, when we, when we have these kinds of conversations, the first thing that comes up is our defense mechanism, right? The first thing is like, oh, I'm not this way, or, oh, you're wrong, you're generalizing me, or, you're, you know, this doesn't apply to everybody, or whatever it might be, our defense mechanism comes up. And so what I want to do is just, as you started this conversation saying, this is, you know, a safe space, a judgment-free zone, I also want to say that I think that it's also okay to not feel like you 
are at the table or you have imposter yeah. syndrome or not a good fit for you. Somebody else should be having these conversations because I don't think really, I don't know many people that feel fully prepared to have these conversations or at least I don't. So <laughs> I, don't, I love I don't. that. That yeah. is just so yeah. truth and so raw and so, so real because here's the thing. We all get those moments where we don't feel adequate. Mm. Boy, have I had those over the years, you know, and and as a young girl, that was really a struggle zone for me. Mm. I, I mean, I was brought up in an environment where they told you you would never amount to anything. Yeah. You'll never, you know, you're not smart. You think very differently to everyone mm. else and you look really different to everyone else. And I did. Right. Yeah, And I did sound different and I thought differently. I actually thought, and this was for a long time, part of my journey was having to conform to mm -hmm. how everyone else looked because I thought that was the answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. You know, you said this is being told to you when you were a young girl, because I feel oftentimes that comes up and it's probably just the age thing, right? It's probably just like the time of our life. But what I would say is the difference between um, that is the overall message that I've received is one of support. And I've been thinking about that a lot is like oh, wow. the difference that support can make in a young person's life. And I, we know this, right? But often I look at some of the women that I coach or, you know, um, just people in my world, you know, whose significant others say, you go get a real job or you aren't meant to do this. Mm. And I just, I can try, I can't help but contrast that to the fact that so the overwhelming majority of people in my life have always supported me. And I wonder how far, like how has that contributed to my success and how much of my success is because other people believed in me and other people gave me support. I, I so how much you. is yeah. it? How much I, I don't know. It? I want to say like 99%. Like I, I think, think it's really so. important. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I, you know, I looked at so many, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a geek when it looks at patterns and I've always mm. gone, okay, so this was what I was dealt with as a young girl, but I don't think that that's what I'm dealt with as a human being. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how do I hack those patterns mm. so that I get different results? That That's where it became, you know, something mm. that I was so, and then being involved with a lot of tricky, you know, from gangs to prostitutes to street mm. kids. I was involved with a lot of community work, a lot of youth. I was a mm. youth speaker for many years and I saw a lot of brokenness. And then I saw the other side, which you speak of, where there was so much support and that, you know, like Taki's a great example. He was told as a young boy and grew up in a house going, you can be whoever you want to be, yeah. do whatever mm -hmm. you want to do. And you are the legend, you know, and so we come from total extremes and I don't think that it defines where you go, mm -hmm. but I think that it definitely helps to springboard you off to better sure. start and to have some knowledge that I wish I'd had years and years and years ago, but I've had to learn it later. And I think that I, you know, I, I think one thing I really learned, I would say since June 2020, when I would say the collective veil of the world was lifted a little bit and everybody became a little bit more aware of, of other people and people maybe that didn't look like them and what they're going through. And so June 2020 is, is how, I, you know, you know, um, Kylie Francis, she's the one that used that term. And I think it's well said. Um, and for me, one thing that I've noticed is so many people are uncomfortable with admitting that you did have an advantage or you did have a privilege. But I think it's the opposite. Mm -hmm. I think it's when we can when we can have the humility to say, oh, perhaps the one of the one of the contributing factors to me being where I am today is because I had so much support. And then when you acknowledge that, then you say, well, how can I give that support to others who maybe don't have that in their family unit or don't have that from a significant other? I think it just it's it's appropriate to say 
this is partially contributing to it. And then if that is contributing to where I'm at or how we make leaders or whatever I be, how can we as a collective give that to people who don't have that? You know, there was a woman in my community who, and it's been on my mind a lot this week because her husband, you know, she got a huge client and it was amazing. And he just was so not even just like, didn't care. He was actively tearing her down. And I just was thinking Mm. to myself, like how I was so inspired by her and the fact that she is still going, even with that going on. And so what we did all as as our community is we gathered around her and we gave her the support. It's not the same. It's not the same as having your significant other support, but it's something. And so, yeah, it's just been on my mind a lot recently and something you had said brought that up. No, I love that. And I, here's the thing I am, I think is interesting. So Yes, I agree that there are privileges when you've had it all handed to you on a plate and you've got people supporting you. And there's nothing like people having your back. Boy, do I know that, especially as I keep playing a bigger game. Mm -hmm. I need so many good people having my back, right? Like it's, I cannot do this alone. But I have to say, and I think that this has to be said, is that it's really easy to get lost in the fact that if you, if I was given that, mm. then I would do this. I mm. have to say, I don't think I would be who I am today if I hadn't have gone through all the challenges that I did throughout my, my years gone by. And I'm in so many different challenges. And I reckon I've learned a resilience through those challenges. Mm. I, I believe I've learned ways of, I've seen humanity and what humanity have had to face that I never thought I'd have to experience. And I'm glad I've had that perspective now. I've had to find strategies to go on when I felt like my life was ending. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd been handed it all, if I would have that within me. And I think that that's where... Yeah, I I don't know that one is more of a benefit than the other. And I think maybe we should get mm. past that and realize mm. that although it is a privilege to have access, that doesn't mean that in some ways that you've had more than I have. That's really interesting. Um, you know, when I when I hear you say that, what comes to mind is um is Steve Jobs thing. It's like I couldn't connect the dots in the moment, but looking back, I can connect the dots. Um and mm-hmm. I think that can also be really empowering. And I think it should be said. I'm glad you said it because if I, if I, I don't know, if I didn't have the support, I think I still would have done it. Um, and it would have made me a different person. I think that is an important message that should be said. So I love that you said that. Well, it's funny because in the comments we get, we thrive on the mountaintop. We mm. grow in the valley. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. Was yeah. another one. Keep it up. Well what do you think? Do you, do you think we thrive on the mountaintop? We grow in the valley? I don't think I understand the expression. I think you should, re- yeah, I think you should explain the expression and then, and then. Okay, whoever it is, because on here on StreamYard, you're a Facebook user. If <laughs> so, <laughs> please explain so thrive I know on, what we thrive, thrive on. on the mountaintop. So what they're saying is because when we get to the top, we get to enjoy that view. We get mm. to enjoy the hard work that we've put in and we get to experience that moment of reaching where, mm. like for me, that's what the mountaintop is, right? But I always think we've always got to get over the other side. So I, I think every so mountain me, top feel, has the next valley that you've got to go right, through. That's what I'm that saying. Challenge. Yeah. Because I, I, so, I, I was thinking the same thing. I don't feel like I've hit, I don't think I've hit, I think there's lots of mountaintops and I don't even feel like I've hit my first mountaintop. So I don't know that I can, I don't know. Like I think I, when I think of myself and where I'm at, I think I'm like halfway up the first mountain. Like, it's probably because right. I'm, you know, it's probably just where I'm at in my journey. So I don't know. I'd have to get to the top of the mountain. I, I wouldn't say that because if you think about it, you've had moments even in business where yeah. you have gone, 
I'm not sure what yeah that uh you know and that was one of your valleys but then you've had that moment where you've gone oh my gosh look what i get to how i get to impact all these amazing women yeah so that's interesting though i i think for me though i wouldn't say thrive on the mountains what what i, I wouldn't say oh. that i think i think it's like the obstacle is the way that's that's what i say it's like tell me more about that yeah through that and it's a it's a it's a total core value of mine it's the obstacle is the way um, my father is very very catholic and he says like we embrace the cross when we embrace the cross um mm. we we thrive I, I would say the obstacle is the way but it's the same idea it's that it's through the challenges that's the solution um, I'll give a really specific example of that when my Facebook account was shut down um, and I couldn't advertise and it was one of the most devastating moments in my business to date because I had a lot of people on payroll. I had to let some people go. Was, I had to step up as a leader more than I ever had to. Um, and it was really hard, mm. but it was through that obstacle of Facebook unfairly taking away everything we had worked so hard to build that I got through it. I have a better team, a tighter team, a more yeah. loyal team. I'm a better leader. Our lead flow is so much more stable, but I had to, in that moment, wake up, let half my team go on that Monday, worst Monday of my life, had to let half my team go. And it was through that obstacle that we came out the other side, a better, stronger business. And so that's okay. just one example, but that's the phrase. But here's the thing that I think that we can take from that, right? And this is what I want us not to miss out because mm -hmm. everyone keeps talking about this whole privilege thing, but you learned it because you were in the valley. You learned for you to have to step it up, to go, how do I be a better leader? Yeah. What does it need to take for me to get this back up to where we yeah. need it to go? It's true. It's true. I, and and I, I think that it's, you know, people should know with my story, you know, my family, I was one of nine kids and my dad was an adjunct English wow. professor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the oldest of nine. And my dad was an adjunct English professor. So it's not, you know, it, we were, my family worked from the bottom, not the bottom up, but like we worked really hard is the thing. And so like, I, I've had to work very, very hard for everything that I've gotten. And I've been proud to, I've been, I've been happy mm. to, um, but I, it is a really important part of my story, you know, where, where I started and um, just, yeah, I, I think it's an important part of it. And it, it shouldn't be ignored because I don't think people know the amount of work that I had to put into to get where I am. And I don't, I, you're right. Like it shouldn't be, shouldn't be dismissed. Yeah. What about, uh, so was there expectations because you feel you had to work and get where you mm -hmm. are and then those expectations have kept going? Because I wonder if there's a correlation between that and, you know, the imposter syndrome. That's interesting. Uh, no, I think I have imposter syndrome because I respect and admire you and I respect and admire the other leaders you've had on the table. Um, I think I have imposter syndrome because of my age. I, you know, it's me and then a bunch of like hmm. other people. You know, I, I feel like I'm half the age of a lot of people in, in my friend group and in my, in my colleagues. And I like that. I like that push. The drive to, you know, do what I'm doing is from my competitive nature. Um, it's just a desire to see my full potential. I told this to my husband a long time ago. It's not about the money for me. I just want to level up. I just want to see what I can do with this. I believe we have one life. I want to see what I can do in my one life. So that's where that comes from. And it's, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. It's but a, isn't that expectations? Uh, if it's expectations, it's the ones I put on myself. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I didn't say yeah. what others are putting yeah. on you. Yeah, right? it's self it, and it's I'm a very hard taskmaster. Yeah. Yeah. You and me both. We both are. Like I yeah. I'm a really results oriented person, yeah. which is that competitive side, right? And in that way, I also um want to be achieving at really high levels. I but here's the thing I don't do. This is only now. 
And so learn from my years of wisdom. But I let go of the comparison moment mm. many years ago. And I had to do that. And particularly in the world that I know that you're in, there is a lot of comparison. And, you know, who's doing the best model? Who's doing the mm -hmm. best, you know, got the biggest group and the numbers and the getting the next best thing down there. And you had to get, like, I I literally had to get away from comparison and go, mm -hmm. well, what is my race? What mm -hmm. does that need to look like? And I have to say to you, girl, I don't look at you as a young girl that has nothing to add to the table. That's why I want you on the table because mm -hmm. I believe you have so much to add. My kids have taught me so much. Wow. And, you know, they are always my learning ground as much as anywhere else in this world. And here's the thing it is you and the next generations and the generations i've got grandchildren now like i'm a i'm a Gigi, and so like it's so important that i'm listening to what is needed because i want to leave behind a legacy that they can springboard off that makes a lot and of so, sense you know yeah. what you bring is so awesome i really appreciate you saying that um i, I even find for me you know I even start, I, you know, they say like Generation Z, like I listen, I can, I can just, I'm just starting to see that there's a generation under me. Um, as, I approach my 30, as I approach my 30s, I start <laughs> needing to see there's a generation under me, which is funny, but I, I, I find, you know, I look at their pattern so I can in just a little way relate to what you're saying. And I appreciate you saying that. I feel that a lot of my philosophy though, and the way I think is very mature. I think I've always been very mature for my age. So I don't know that I speak for most people my age, but I can speak to my own life experiences and what I've gone through and what I think. What is interesting about that though, and I can relate to this by the way, is I've always looked younger than my age. Mm. I'd like to think I still look yeah. younger than my age. Um, I did have you know, no idea you were Gigi. So I would say, yeah, you still are. <laughs> okay. So I'm about to hit the 50 soon. And, okay. you know, I'm I'm determined by the time I hit that 50 mark, mm -hmm. I'm going to look way better than I did at the 40 mark. So that is it. where I'm aiming for right now. And I think a lot of it's inside of who you are and where you're at at life as well. 1, what I wanted to just push in on that piece is that I have had many mentors over the years, right from a young girl who were way older than I was. Mm. And that was on purpose because I wanted to hear what they have learned. Yeah. I wanted to learn from those things, the good and the bad, because I wanted to hear what I didn't want to make the same mistake. And I, I have to tell you, it has been unbelievable having older mentors because I also then would go, I was like you, that I would be the mature one in mm -hmm. my lot. You know, I was a young mama. Yeah. I was young at everything and everyone else was doing partying and I was learning how to do life and, you know, bring money into the house and do all sorts of different things while others are out partying. And I didn't travel the world like a lot of my friends did at that time. And so I was experiencing a world that many weren't my age at mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. And I am so glad I got to experience it, but I also are thankful for a couple of people who were in my world. And a huge shout out to my mate, Sue Booth. She was one of them. And she was like a mama bear to me for a long time. Mm. She was then like a colleague with me because I, I ran youth and she was the other, they were the ones that ran it. And so there was like that support on that side of it. And then she was and has been all my life 
one of my biggest fans. But she's also told me off when she thinks I'm naughty. Hey, but that's, that's <laughs> a sign of a good fan. Right that's a sign right? of a, that's a sign of a real friend. No, that's why I love you guys in Boardroom. My gosh, you're always on my ass <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, we, we, we do. We, we do. do. We do. We do. We do. Get past this whole age yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. I think it's I think it's really good that you say that. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. I think I think I'm mm. ready to like it's time. It's good. But I also think that there's I, I for me, I've always promised to show up authentically ever since I started my business eight years ago. I'm just gonna show up and be myself. And I think that's worked really well for me. Like I I have no sense of e I some I'm sure we all have ego, but my ego is, is placed pretty low key because I just inherently trust that people are going to be okay if I show up as myself. And so when I start a conversation like this and say I have imposter syndrome, it's just because I'm speaking what's going on in my mind and, and it it starts good conversations, I think. Yeah, but I also think that there's so much we can learn from that because mm. you are not the only one that has come on here and gone, well, I guess one of the things is imposter syndrome. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I think this is a real thing. But I also if we we clunk it up a little now and we think of this as a global thing mm. you're not the only one there's many across the globe that are facing this as well how do we change that in society i think i think by by looking at models like mentors people who have done it if you see for me i would look at women my age you know maybe a couple of years older than me and they were doing it they were rocking and rolling it and they were running successful businesses and they were, you know, just doing all the things I wanted to do. And, and it was because they modeled it for me and they were brave enough to put themselves out there and say, Hey, I'm doing this and, and I'm unapologetic about it. And it's awesome. And you can do it too. It proved that, okay, somebody can do this. You know, I might be mm. a little bit and, you know, I might be feeling the imposter syndrome a little bit, but somebody can do this. And that's why I talk about what I do and share my wins and my lows too, because I think it's really important for very young women to see that they can do it at a very young age. You know, I've been able to build a seven figure business before I hit my thirties. And I think it's mm. important we talk about that. I think it's important we model that. And that is another reason why I bring up my age every so often is because I think it's actually empowering. I think it actually mm. can speak to that girl who maybe just graduated college is in a lot of student debt, really hating her corporate job, but doesn't know what the solution to that is. You know, she has a, she knows she's made for more deep down, but mm. she needs somebody like me to show up and say, Hey, you know, if you wanted to make a living doing what you love, being passionate about it, you could. And so I think I it's the models. That. So what are you modeling for them? As in those that are following you, hmm. what are you hoping they get? I think I want to first and foremost show that it's possible. I think a lot of people doubt it. A lot of people doubt it. And so I think that's the big thing. And the most important thing is just, it is possible. Um, that's why I share my numbers. Like I share screenshots and my numbers. That's why I share the highs and lows because I feel so many people sugarcoat entrepreneurship. Um, at least a lot of girls on Instagram sugarcoat so entrepreneurship. Good. And so you have to show the lows because if you don't know that there's lows, you're going to be one of those 95% of entrepreneurs who don't make it past 10 years or whatever the status, right? Most people don't make it as entrepreneurs because they only see the shiny stuff. They only see the sexy funnels that say yeah. make a million dollars in an hour by showing up, you know, whatever. So I talk about the lows because it's important because that helps them stay in the game. And then I model a combination of working hard and working smart. I think mm -hmm. most people don't strike a balance. They'll either work really, really hard and they'll hustle and burn out, which we don't like. But then I also think that they have an unrealistic expectation and say, oh, if I, if I just journal, I'll, I'll run a successful business. I think there's a balance. And so I try to model the balance of work. You know, you have to put the time in, you have to put the work in and it's good when you love it and you're having yeah. fun. I'll never be afraid of hard work, but you also want to be strategic and you want to make a good use of your time. Dan Martell talked a lot about that in one of our sessions. So yeah. that's what I try to model.
What is balance to you? Right. I think it changes based on the season of your life. So for me mm-hmm. right now, balance is giving it, leaving it all on the field to use a sports impression, you know, leaving it all on the field uh, during the week and then totally unplugging on the weekends. So I, I do work pretty hard during the week, but it's work I love. I think you have to be doing work you love. That's part of the balance is if I'm working hard during the week, doing things I hate, that's not very balanced. Uh, and then it's fully unplugging on the weekends for me. I think that's an interesting thing that you just said there of doing work that you love. And, mm. I, and I'm wondering about this whole balance thing of what even that balance looks like for me. I think there is balance. I know lots will mm. argue that you cannot get balance, but I think there is a balance for you as an individual. Right. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And the world has their norms and then they say, okay, if you do this, this will be balanced. And it's like going to the gym and going, here's the workout that everyone needs to do. And if you do that, you're going to be blah, 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 blah. This does not work like this. So I think there is absolute balance for you as an individual. But I think one of those things you pushed on, and that was if you love what you do. And I think this is an interesting thing because I think even if we think of imposter syndrome, there's a lot of people who are doing things because there are expectations or there are others that, or they've put them on themselves to go, you know, I always thought I was going to be this. And so I'm just doing this because that's what Mm. I'm trained in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of unhappy people that are working whether it's short hours, long hours, but they're working in something they don't like to do. And I think that I love how you said, as long as you love what you're doing, Mm. because, and and that balance for me is a tricky piece because I really love my work. Right, right. That's the curse of entrepreneurship. Is some, you know, right? we don't if we don't control it, we're all workaholics because we love it. So I think there has to be some intentionality with that. But then also, I like that you said like it's personal because I know that for mm. me, there's times where I've been loving it, and I had what would people, you know, if somebody didn't love it, that would be an insane schedule. But because I was thriving, yeah, doing that, it felt really good. It was energizing me. Tanya talks a lot about this. Is that when we show up and we serve, which is what I love to do. Mm it actually can energize us. So, you know, you can spend a day doing work that is, you know, objectively a long day, but you're, you're buzzing by the end of the day because you, you did work that you were loving and because you were serving others. That's at least that's what energizes me is is service to others. Um, And so those are my, those are my energizers. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I love that. And here's the other piece. I love the fact that, you know, for you weekends, you take off and you do your thing. So I love to, I call curate moments. So I have to Mm. have moments in my schedule that refuel me. And those, so there's, there's different ways and I've had to learn what that refuel looks like, but I get those moments, I get them and refuel me. If I don't get them within my schedule, then it all just becomes work and I don't enjoy it. And that's the funny thing is exactly. That's when you know you're off balance is because even the stuff that you love, you're kind of hauling ass a little bit, you know, you're driving ass a little bit to do it. And that's how, you know, it's, you know, oh, okay. I need to, for me, it's, I need to take, make sure I'm unplugged fully next weekend is is how I know, but you find what works for you. I think it's different for everybody. What refuels you? <laughs> Watching TV for like 12 hours straight. That's what I do. Oh, like no I, way, really? I do, I do, I do. I will sit there. This is my, my couch. I will, I will sit there 
and I'll watch TV the whole day long. And that to me is just, wow. it's the luxury of time. And I'm an introvert. So it's the luxury of time and not talking to anybody. So I'll sit there, I'll get a little drink, a little snacks, and I'll just watch, I'll do like a, a, mar- a like whole movie marathon for like I the whole day. Just, I thought it was just me. No, <laughs> no, that's, that's luxury. That's, that is living the good life. Yeah. I, I watch some random series and usually something really like the opposite to my world. Yeah. And, uh, and usually either a detective or a mafia or yes. a, some crazy thing. Some murder mystery. Yeah, thing. Yes. Exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I, that's, that's my luxurious wow. weekend. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about the introvert thing. Cause mm-hmm. I find this fascinating. You know, one of the reasons I, I was known for a long time as kind of a secret source <laughs> and, and I was actually okay to be the secret yeah. source behind some of the really amazing people across the world. And I was really good with that. And then I realized that if I was to do what I'm meant to do in, mm. in this world, that I felt as part of my calling in life, that I actually needed to step up and out of being secret source to yeah. building something on a on a bigger platform. And you do an amazing job of building a bigger platform. And that fascinates me when I hear that you're an introvert. I mean, I knew you were an introvert. Yeah. The fact that, you know, in most sessions I see you with your camera, with you on the side there working away, like there's so many signs that showed me that you were introvert, but it fascinates me that you can build such a community knowing that that's a truth. Yeah. So, so for me, I define introvert as, you know, being, you know, some people get energized by people. So others get mm-hmm. energized by silence and alone time. And I get energized by silence and alone time. And so if that's the definition of introvert, I am, but I think this goes back to the balance because I know that, okay, if I'm going to spend my week talking to people, and giving it my all because I do. That's just, I can't help yeah. it. I'm a hundred percent or I'm zero. I know. Yeah. I, I like, I mean, that's, you know, that's good. I need to be really intentional with my time off. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to do this. And so, yes, like I, mm. you know, I'll, I'll show up and I'll, I'll teach my students and I'll be posting content and doing everything I do, but I have to balance that with my time off when I'm not talking to anybody. My husband knows like come Friday night, like, please don't look at me. Please don't talk to me. Like, let me have my Maria time. We call it Maria night. Let me have my Maria night. And I just need like a f- hours to myself to just rebuild up that energy. Um, but that's just, I've learned that over time from self-awareness. Um, so, you know, when to pour mm-hmm. your energy into people and when to pour energy into yourself. That's powerful, girl. You know, there's a lot of people that don't know that. And I love the fact that you bring your husband into that conversation yeah. because yeah. that's that's so important. How does he refuel? He's an extrovert. Yesterday he went out with friends. He was wow. out all Friday. I was sitting at home watching Game of Thrones and he was out with friends. And we found what works for us. Um, and I think we have a really good balance. But I think it also speaks to the stage of life we're in. We don't have kids right now. So we have mm-hmm. a little bit more flexibility. I get to, you know, when I have kids, I don't, Maria and I, kids are kids. They need to talk to you. They, they don't care what your energy levels are at. They need to talk to you. They need your help. I noticed so, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've got six of them. You would know. Yeah. And I kind of know being one of nine, at least I got to see it with my parents when I was yeah. the oldest. So I got to see it. And you know, it's just, it's just a season of life we're in. So I'm enjoying it, but I, you know, we, we work, we've struck a really good balance in our own relationship. Mm, I love yeah. that. And, and what do you do to refuel together? What are things that you yeah. like? We, uh, since we live right on the ocean, we do beach walks a lot on really long weekends. And which is a really yeah. good moment for us to connect. I know you and uh, Taki do as well. We um, do. Just, yeah. It's just nice. You get a little exercise and get a little movement. Mm-hmm. There's a dog park about like, I don't know, like half a mile from where we live. And so it's like a dog beach park. And so we go and it's literally like exactly what I believe heaven is like. It's like 
600 yeah. dogs all running around in the ocean. Um, and so we'll walk <laughs> there and we'll just like hang out. So that's what we do together. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that we do is, and, and one of the things we did last year was on our wedding anniversary and it was Tux's birthday as well. Mm. I said, let's buy bikes, electric bikes. Mm. And, um, and that way we can have more adventures together. And so that was kind of like something that was real fun for us. Mm because we weren't traveling the world and having adventures across right. the world and countries and in new places. Cause we just love hanging together, but in new places and learning together, mm -hmm. like it's yeah. just kind of fun. And so it was like, how do we do this? Although we're kind of stuck here. Yeah, and lovely. so we bought these bikes and what was cool about it was even when we went away, and we'll do the same in the next couple of weeks where we all go away with the kids and we'll take the bikes and put them on the back. And so we can just, you know, the kids are happy to be hanging around doing nothing and we can jump on our bikes and just adventure around within the new that. town kind of thing, right? So I love that. Yeah, How long did you guys get married? You guys like have been that. together for well, we've been together for a little while, but like we've been married for twenty one years. Okay. Now. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. But you, know, you guys are close. Yeah, we are close, but we're also so extreme. And what people don't realize is how extreme we are. Mm. So you talked about extrovert, introvert. He's an amazing extrovert, right? Yeah. So he wants to hang out with friends. He wants mm. to be with people all the time. And I remember one Christmas, I said to him, okay, Taki, for the next, I can't remember how many weeks, it was something like two weeks. You can invite whoever you want and I will be a la looking after whoever and the doors are open do you know what he literally had people over for breakfast morning tea lunch <laughs> afternoon tea dinner and it didn't just last for two weeks it was something like six weeks it was oh my crazy, goodness oh my right? goodness i would die i would die <laughs> i did die after but <laughs> i love him it. and i do those moments to because i know it fuels his cup Man, that's right right that's right that's right just and, like will was fine with me chilling at home and he went and filled his it, that's perfect it's really good but communication I, way to learn that and i think that's the key is some of this is about communication mm -hmm. and we have not always had it right and mm -hmm. you know we've gone through those challenges of mm -hmm. dude we are so different what yeah. the heck are we doing together kind of moment yeah and one of the things that i think has pulled us together is that we love life mm. and we want to bring change even if it's different change we mm -hmm. still want to see change yeah. so there's that commonality on that and then it's also i i have had his back all mm. through his his journey even when when I don't like what he's doing mm -hmm. or I don't like, but I love him. And I right. think that that has been important. That's um, good to hear. Yeah. To remember that although, you know, and I think this is, this comes back to us as a, as a humanity race yeah. that we need to have conversations. We need to hang out. We need to spend time with, mm -hmm. even when it's uncomfortable, even yeah. when it's not, you know, easy to be with those people because we don't believe in the same things. We don't have the same values at times, or we don't have, you know, we're not liking what that person is doing mm -hmm. right now. And if mm -hmm. I hang with them, people are going to think that I agree with I agree that. With them, yeah. It's not at all like that, but I love him. Yeah. And I think that if we can, understand that in all you know like and have different conversations so if we go back to even the generational thing have young people having a yeah. voice at the table have the older generation yeah. like there is a lost generation of older amazing wise 
people that we are not having at the table that we need to have at the table. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I especially like what you said about just because I spend time with somebody doesn't mean I endorse everything yes. that they do or everything they believe. Because I think that, and I, I think it's mostly a social media problem. I think it's, mm -hmm. I think I see it like primarily on social media, but it's almost like if you disagree with me or we're different, that must, and I spend time with you or I don't unfriend yeah. you on Facebook or whatever it might be, that right. must mean that I absolutely endorse everything about you. But I think that can be really divisive. Oh, it totally is. And here's the, mm. here's the crazy thing about this. And I, and it's such a point to, to talk about is the fact that it is so device, decide, uh, divisive. No, yep. what did you say? Yeah, yeah divisive. It was one of those words. You got it. You got it. Divisive. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. It was one of those things. But here's the thing. And social media has learnt to feed the monster mm -hmm. and has right. definitely done a great job of That's that. Right. right? But we're taking it back into society and we're mm. taking it back into we are letting that be what is feeding us and we are doing it in many, many different cultures that we are yeah. creating. But here's the cool thing, but the horrible thing, we need to ask questions. And mm. here's the problem when we ask questions. Do you know what happens, Maria? I ask so many questions because I'm curious. Yeah. And I want to, I don't want to go, I'm asking you a question, Maria, because I want a certain answer. That is what society has built us yes. in. Yeah. When mm -hmm. we ask questions, she just wants this answer. Do you know how often I have had to answer on a question that I've put out on social media? Well, what do you think, you know, where are you wanting us to answer this? Or what does that, what's the answer you're looking for? I'm not looking for any mm -hmm. answer. Yeah. I am purely asking this question because I think that maybe we should ask it. And here's the other thing. Oh, I'm so sorry this is happening in your world, Kira Marie. It's not happening in my world. I just asked the question right. because I know, or maybe someone in my world, a client has asked that question. And right. I think if someone else is asking that, guess what? There's probably someone else asking that out there. And I think, wow, if we need to be there's this need for us to ask these questions in open forums and not be slammed about it, not and be able to think differently and to question it without people defriending you or mm. putting you in a bucket going, oh, she hangs out with that person. So then now this, this is I know everything about. about it. I totally agree. And I actually learned this. This is one of the best things that mm. I learned in my college experience is that if you have a question, everybody else in the room probably has a similar question. I say, if you have a question about the homework assignment, or you have a question about what yeah. you're supposed to be doing or when a test is, a lot of people probably also have that question. But mm. I think to ask the question, I know that for me, to ask the question, raise my hand and be the one to like risk looking like I didn't know something everybody yeah. else knew, right? Like the, the putting yourself out there to ask the question, so true. I think that requires vulnerability. And I think it requires bravery more so than when I was in college, you know, more so than in that little room. I think doing it on social media, I think it requires bravery. But if what my professor said is true, and that if you have the question, other people might have it too. I think maybe there's something to be said for doing that. You know, if, we, if we're here to change and, and, and help people, we mm. should be asking the questions. I love that. And I would say that because of the work that I do, which I've learned I've learned these pieces along the journey and, mm. and people are at a different space along the journey and I've had to learn how to communicate because a lot of my work is working with extremes. So right. if we think of the global leadership space and we think of, you know, top decision tables, these can be former presidents for, you know, these can be major movement leaders, mm. um, you know, scientists with breaking innovative solutions. Like there's some pretty cool tables I get to hang out at. But I'm also, 
on the other extreme, hanging out at the face of humanity and the mm. front line of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm always trying to figure out how can we narrow the gap between what is needed on the front line of humanity and what is being innovative and mm. thought about and decided at top decision tables, right? So there's a major extreme. I get to talk and live in many different worlds because of that. There's such a spectrum from the front line of humanity to top decision tables. There truly is. And so my message never changes, but the way I communicate has to change. And I've not always been good at getting that out Mm -hmm. because I've not always had to do this. You know, that was that secret source. I wasn't intending to be able to communicate it to the wider stream as long as I knew how to communicate that to who I needed to make the next decision. But as I've brought it out as a wider environment, it's been interesting seeing, you know, just even bringing the word humanity mm. and, and going, hey, humanity is not just a global issue or problem. Humanity is you and I. That's right. And bringing it right back to going, we face things as humans every day we make a decision or not a decision i really like that i have two thoughts one is i want to ask you i'm curious i know it's a big question but i'm curious about what you think is that gap right you said mentioning closing the gap between the rooms that you're in and the tables you're in and the front line how do we close that how do we i'm curious yeah to get your thoughts so on i think i think it comes to so many different things but one of the things or not even one but some of the things is that i think we need to create an awareness and that's why mm. we're doing these conversations is that if we didn't have this conversation today would we grow the same way and the awareness of what i i love what's come out of our conversation right mm-hmm. like so it's growing a different awareness but i think that then it becomes what you know What you don't know is you don't know, and I get that, but when you know something, there's a responsibility. There's Mm. an ownership that needs to take place, and that's the next piece of it. But then there's a change that needs to happen as well. That's going to be different no matter where and what. And I think that that change, if I think of global space right up to the front line of humanity, I think of things as there's a need for a new approach to leadership. That is a huge thing in my world. And the reason being that I think that we've put processes, systems, and like if you think of models, all that sort of thing, I think there's a need for a change up for this Mm. and that we have to come together as humanity and go what is going to add value to humanity going forward what is going to be, you know, taking away from and making sure that we're moving in a forward direction. And that only comes about if we come together as a collective. Now, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done for us to be able to do that and continue to do that because these conversations aren't comfortable. And, you know, you and I have talked about some things that could be uncomfortable if we weren't willing to talk about it. But you imagine that with lots of people that don't look the same, that don't sound the same having this Mm. conversation that's where we create the first piece which is awareness then i think there's this other side which is i believe the secret advantage to life is when you know how to use the muscle of human intelligence and that is Mm. my all my work that i do around rewiring a brain to a different pattern to get actually the behavior that you want and then the result that you want to bring to the table. And I think that we as humans have this data that we have, and it comes from our environment, it comes from our thinking, it comes from our spiritual thing, you know, positioning, whatever it is, it makes our decision DNA up 
how are we using that? What if we used it in a smarter way? What if we could access more of our data to be able to make better decisions? What would that need to look like? And I think those things are definite things. And then I think the third thing, which is this, you know, what if we use every time when we're making a decision, the lens of humanity as stakeholders? Would our decisions change? Would our thinking change? Would our results change? Absolutely. I was going to say, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> the obvious <laughs> answer is yes. Wow, that's really cool. I like that for me even, I think it's it's so true starting with awareness. And I think we talked about this earlier and how much more awareness has been brought in, even in the last year and a half. Progress. I see little steps, right? Yeah, but awareness is not enough. And I have to say that, Maria, because awareness is great, but awareness will not bring change. That's like saying the right words. Yeah. But nothing What is that called? They call it... um affirmative no not affirmative. no it's um it's the word where they like do things just for like performative performative alliance yeah where they yeah. just like they say the words and not actually take action on it yeah it's a good point yeah and so although we need to create awareness and i think here's the other thing maria i think we need to create awareness where you know things like imposter syndrome does not mm. turn up because mm. we have to understand that it's okay if we don't think the same. Mm. It's okay if we don't look the same. It's okay mm. if we're not the same age. It's okay if we haven't had the same background. But what is it? And, and in fact, if we came to the table together with a group of us, a collective, is it okay then for us to actually be okay with probably not agreeing with most things, but agreeing with something that could move the dial forward. Mm. And I that's want progress. us to get to yeah. that point, yeah. right? Yeah. I want us, that's my whole mission of getting leaders to get together to be able to do that as a collective and go, okay, I'm, I'm doing my cool thing around here and I want to see it change across the globe. Mm. How can we do that's that? That's super well said. Yeah, well said. Well said. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Firstly, if people want to know more about what you do, what's the best spot for them to get to know you? Hmm. Best spot to get to know me. I probably probably my Instagram, but the thing is for me right now with what's going on in my, in my journey and, and my mission, what I'm supposed to be doing, it's, it's literally all online business stuff. So that's, that's 99% okay. of what you're going to get. Good. Yeah. And just, but I, and I'm super happy to share. So if you want to go to um, my Instagram, it's just put Maria went into the search bar and I'll come right up. Yeah. And that's where I'll share. And she's, the scenes, by the so. way, she's badass in the business area. So I try. check I that try. out if you're interested in getting in there or starting out in there. And she is so good at this stuff. Yeah. I was just going to yeah. add, I think, I think, I think it's important to say that really my message is, is I hope a message of hope. That's what I want it to be mm. is that, and that's what I share is that I was a girl in a mid Midwest, you know, little, little, little middle America. Midwest. And, yeah. Midwest, little America, you know, little, little Ohio, little Ohio girl and didn't come for money. How to, you know, work. I was the first woman in my family to graduate college. Mm. Um, you know, like that's, you know, just how to really fight for a lot of what a lot of my peers take for granted. I had to really fight for it and be intentional with it and work really hard for it. But we talk about the mountaintop in that sense. Yeah. I have come on the mountaintop and I share how I did it. And I share why you can do it too. I share what got me there. Mm. Um, and that's why you should follow me on Instagram is if you are looking for a message of hope and some practical stuff to like implement, that's yeah. where you should find on my Instagram. 
That's so good. I love that. Okay, girl, this has come to this time of the broadcast where... I don't know how it's already been an hour. How is that even possible? I know, it's crazy, right? But this is the one question I do ask on every single decision table. And that is, so we've talked so much about awareness. Mm. We've created an awareness in what we've, you know, our conversation here. But remember I said there's another piece, ownership. Mm. And so I want to ask you, what are you taking from our conversation today? I took a really helpful thing for my own personal life, which is mm-hmm. it's okay to spend time with people who don't agree with you. Um, in fact, it's important to spend time because I feel the collective pressure from my generation and the generation below me to not do that, to fully unfriend and and push away anybody who sees anything differently Mm. um and so it's good to have that mentor as you say hey well wait a minute these are how we have these kind of conversations let's maybe not do that maybe that's a little bit too black and white perhaps is is the word and so i took that away personally and then i I also took away um just the need for mentors in general i think that that's just a confirmation for me to keep doing the work that i I believe i was put on this earth to do and boy do we need that maria Here's the thing I've learned and taken from our conversation is that just the power of role modeling mm. and and I think that our conversation has been so powerful today going into many layers but on both sides of the perspective of what you bring mm. being in a different generation to mm. what I bring in a different mm. generation and how powerful it shows when people like us are willing to have a conversation yeah. right because yeah. this is all it is yeah. and we can continue to learn from each other and I think this has been so powerful for me just recognizing again how important these you know having I I, I say bringing humanity to table but as first but mm. then we bring our distinctions I don't mm. talk about diversity I, I talk about distinctions so mm. you know there's many things that I bring to the table from my learnings that make me up and they become my distinctions mm. and I think you have the same thing although you know we've had to learn how do we become who we are in life we've had very very different backgrounds yeah. to get to that point yet we are still having to make sure that as we continue this journey because it is a journey right we haven't arrived it's a journey we're on this but we're so much more powerful when we join together as a collective and i think today we've been able to role model that in beautiful ways of seeing how intertwined mm. that your knowledge is but also that my knowledge is and together it adds such value to create an awareness that maybe we didn't have at the start of this conversation I love that. I love that. Yes. Very well said. Good way to end. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well said. I have nothing to add. <laughs> Do you have nothing to add? Cause I, I think don't... you've got an amazing voice and I always want to make sure that mm. I give space also, if there's something that I haven't said or asked or that you haven't been able to say today. And yeah, I'm thinking, I think I really like what you said about the conversations. I think, I think what this does is it just, it models again, the word model. I think to me, it models how to create a good conversation. I think if you looked at the intentionality of how we started off, you were intentional with how you started. I was intentional with how I started. And I think the fact that you did create that space is what allowed us to have this conversation. So just thinking about that for me with the conversations I want to have and how when we bring intentionality to it at the very start, 
the ideas that feel safe to come out and be verbalized are mm-hmm. the key ones, I think. So yeah, that's what I would add. And, and here's the thing that I think is interesting around that. When we have conversations, mm-hmm. I think the part of having a conversation, there's people who are willing to have a conversation now these days that maybe are an uncomfortable one. But the problem is that many don't know how to navigate Mm, that conversation. And I think the more we can role model it out there of how to navigate these conversations to be able to get to that change point. Yeah, well said, well said. Then we will be much better and that is how we're going to narrow that gap. And I think that goes back to to what we said earlier about where like the responsibility that I've come into as my audience grows, I have a, like, I do feel a very strong sense. There's so many, you know, between all my platforms, there's like 150,000 women, mostly all girls around my, you know, that that follow me Mm. in the last year. And so I should be modeling these kinds of conversations and I should be showing up for these things because it's important. And I feel a sense of, of, of wholesome responsibility to be doing that kind of stuff since for whatever reason they're interested in what I do and what I have to say, let me use that for good. Yeah, and that's what I've been always wanting you to get yeah. to that point, yeah. Maria. Yeah. Seriously. And I yeah. feel like today you've got to that point mm. and you're going to use that platform. I think that is the most important thing as a leader, whatever leader we are, wherever we are, mm. we need to use our platform to add value to humanity going forward. So today I want to thank you, Maria. Yeah. You have been amazing here on thank the table. Thank you. I have loved our conversation and trust me, after five days of a full on <laughs> events, it is nice to have such a great conversation yeah. and such a easy flow conversation, mm. um, you know, and, and I honestly had no idea where we would go with this yeah. conversation because I know it's been so up and down for you and I wanted to make sure it was comfortable for you to yeah. be whoever that was and to come. So I'm so grateful you took me up on the opportunity and uh, we were able to hear and experience, you know, your thinking as you continue to evolve too. I appreciate you having me on this conversation. I went and watched a couple of the the ones you've done and you've had some amazing, amazing people here at the decision table. So thank you. I'm glad to be uh, having a seat at the table. I receive it and thank you for it. Thank you. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change, and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.